Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined always by my man, Lucas Kaser, and you are tuned in to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Candlestick Kids, leave a rate and review anywhere you're listening to your podcast, and follow us on IG at Fantasy Football underscore TCK Pod, and on Twitter at TCK underscore Pod. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Welcome back, TCK Potters. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. We are getting into the final stretch before the TCK Draft Guide drops next Monday, July 6th. We're very excited for it. We've got pre-orders rolling in. If you have not yet pre-ordered your version of three different options of the TCK Pod Draft Guide, make sure you click the link in the description and sign up for that right now. It literally takes 30 seconds to fill out a couple bullet points. Give us your email address and let us know which package you would like. We are fine-tuning those. We've taken a couple of episodes off last week to make sure we got the fine touches in it, and we're very, very excited. Uh, Lucas, how are you feeling, man? I know it's been a, it's been a dogfight. You're you're not only involved with the TCK brand, but you also have the Fantasy Sock Exchange, and you're doing guest spots with other podcasts, and you have a new YouTube channel, and you got a lot of shit going on, man. Not to mention uh, the rest of this world going on right now. So, how you holding up, brother? Doing good. Um, if the link in the description works, and I'm going to say hopefully if you just type in tckpod.com, you can order it from there. I say hopefully because I think I figured out how to do that. Um, and if not, don't, don't get mad at me. Just go to the link down below. But if it's easier for you to, I don't know, just put in your credit card or debit card or whatever it takes on there, uh, tck, tckpod.com. Uh, it has all the information um, that's basically what the link is down below. Just paste it on to the front page of the website that you will be using for the draft guide. So that is there. And next Monday, um, whenever you're hearing this, it's coming out on July, July 6th. Uh, yeah, I'm ready to go. I think it's we're, we're getting almost finished with it. We've been, we've been working hard on it. Awesome, man. Very excited. We have a lot of contributors also helping us out. So we'll be giving shout outs, of course, accordingly once it drops and we get everything fine tuned. So those of you listening in that know you've been a contributor to our podcast uh, and to our uh, draft guide, we much, much appreciate it and quite literally could not uh, get all of this done without your help. So you know who you are. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. All right, man, we're going to jump into uh, kind of some quicker series here this week just to knock out a couple um you know, some fun episodes here. We, we've been dialing so much into the analytics. We've been dialing so much into player previews, team previews, scheduling uh, mock drafts over the last couple of weeks. We're going to just have some fun today. We're going to go over a early version of our gamers, which if you listen to fantasy footballers, it's they're my guys. A lot of other people call them, you know, whatever they want. These are basically our fantasy MVPs, if you will. These are the guys that we personally – want to try to make sure are on every fantasy team that we draft, of course, assuming that the draft falls that way so what we can get them. So we're going to pick a quarterback each, a running back, a wide receiver, and a tight end each here for our gamers episode. And then we're also going to have an alternate backup. So the way I kind of thought about this was everybody wants one of the top end guys, right? Like everybody wants Christian McCaffrey. The reality is if you don't get a first two pick, you're not going to get CMC period. So who else in those rounds, who else do you want in the middle tiers? Who do you want in the late tiers? If you don't get them, they will see with the upside. So 
Let's dive into it, man. Let's start with the quarterbacks. I'll let you go first here. Um, who is your gamer as of, you know, as of early July here? Obviously, we're going we're gonna to double back in about a month and a half here. I'm going to bring on Daniel. Uh, longtime listeners know Daniel. He, he and I started the podcast a couple of years ago. Uh, he loves to do this with me, um, the breakdown show we've done the last couple of years. So he's going to jump back on in August. We're going to do this again for real. But let's look at an early version of our gamers. Let's start with the quarterback position. Lucas, you're up first. Yep, the first one. And I, I really grew on him when I think of it as a fantasy aspect only. It's Gardner Minshew. He's going as the QB 24 to 26. I uh, didn't put the, the round number because that kind of just all depends on the, the what site you're pulling it from. But he's basically not going drafted or just a late QB guy you can say and I say I kind of grew on him in the fantasy landscapes I don't think he's actually that good of a quarterback he probably won't be the the Jaguars quarterback coming next year it really comes down to one thing he's the QB 26 he was arguably just as good as the offensive rookie of the year last year the defense only got worse and they have the first six weeks they have the easiest pass efficiency defense uh, strength to schedule by a long shot they are the the Niners in that stretch weeks one through six have the second easiest and I, I can't like say a number of easier or not, but if you look on the graphic on chart football stats, it is a pretty significant jump up in terms of from the Niners to the Jaguars. Uh, they play the Colts, the Titans, the Dolphins, Bengals, Texans, and Lions on that stretch. And if you remember watching any of the Dolphins, Bengals, Texans, and Lions secondary and the Colts, I'm not, not going to lie, last year, it was bad. It was a fantasy gold mine. So they just mix that in with a team that's going to be throwing the ball a lot. They don't want Leonard Fournette there. They made it obvious. Um, and they're just going to ride what is left of that team coming into 2020. And they could easily be a 9-7 and seven team, but it could easily be a 1-15 and 15 team. But either way, they're going to be throwing the ball a lot due to negative game script. So, yeah, QB 26, take him as your QB 2. And, I, I mean, I honestly think he'll be, a star, he'll be a starting quarterback, I think, those six weeks. But if he's your QB 2, you don't have to worry about streaming for a long time. Gardner Minshew played two less games than Kyler Murray last year, but he was only 500 yards behind him. He had one more touchdown and six less interceptions. You have to imagine that if Gardner played those two extra games that Kyler did, that he would have thrown at least 500 yards over those two games. So quite literally, Gardner Minshew on paper had equally or better of a season yeah. than uh, Kyler Murray did last year. Um, he also had uh, – he was second among rookies last year in – his rush, uh, rushing as well, 340 yards, which is a great floor. Uh, didn't score on the ground, but, of course, um, that, that could change any time. So I love that. Uh, I know the commish crew uh, talks about Garner Minshew a lot, and they like that move. And I agree with you, man. I, I've, I've kind of started warming up to him as well. I wasn't crazy about him because I think you're right. He has – I think he, he, he kind of has that, like, flailing, like, young Brett Favre style about him, which is fun and exciting, but it's also very risky. Um, mm-hmm. And – but for fantasy – we love that, right? I mean, he's got a he's got a nice running floor. He can chuck it, uh, and then of course uh, they bring in Jay Gruden, uh, who loves to throw the ball. So they're going to be throwing it all over the yard. I agree with you. Down game scripts, yada yada. I think that's a great pick. Late, I'm going to go on the top half of drafts. I'm going to go with Dak Prescott. You and I both have him as number three quarterback right now in ADP. He's actually going well within the top five at some point, but you know even as low as the fifth round, um, sixth round as well. Now. He signed his franchise tender for $31.4 million, which we all knew was coming. He asked for 40 originally, then 35, settled with 31, plenty of money. Uh, he'll be just fine. I think he's the long-term answer there eventually. 
He had a career high in 2019, throwing for 4,902 yards with 30 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. He also had six rushing touchdowns the first three years in his career. Last year, it dropped it down to three, but still a great rushing floor. Finished last year already as the quarterback number two on the season for fantasy. And of course, now they go out and get CeeDee Lamb. Blake Jarwin has another year. They actually have addition by subtraction, in my opinion, getting rid of Jason Witten. I think that helps tremendously. Uh, actually, another year of Tony Pollard mixing it up there a little bit. Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, obviously, as well. So I think the the Cowboys are going to be a nasty this year. And I think Dak Prescott, if I miss out on, on Lamar and Mahomes in the first, well, it's going to have to, what, be the second round, third round mm-hmm. probably. I'm not necessarily reaching for Dak in the fourth or the fifth round. But if he's around in the fifth, and I've got two stud running backs, two stud wide receivers, or a top tight end in that mix, um, I could see myself going with Dak because I think he has a great floor, steady floor every single week, and a huge weekly upside. Uh, and then, of course, he does also run the ball there. So love Dak, Dak Prescott there, uh, and you go with Garner Minshew. Um, we both have the same alternate here. I'll start with him, and then you can kind of piggyback here. Both of us have an alternate of Big Ben. Now, I think this is real simple. Right now, he's going in the 10th round or later. So he is a late round QB. Um, just two years ago, he was a second. Uh, he led the NFL in passing yards. He was a second fantasy football quarterback. And then, of course, he blows out his elbow. The Steelers go to shit. It's a whole thing. He's recovering. He's 38 years old. Nobody knows what to expect. But we do know what the potential of Big Ben is after a 16-plus year career. Juju moving back into the slot. Deontay Johnson, James Washington. Now Chase Claypool, a stable of running backs, a great defense. Um, they have the uh, second best schedule according to last year's opponent's uh, rankings. So uh, uh, last year's opponent's record, I should say, coming into 2020, the Ravens have the number one, the Steelers have the number two. So everything is lined up for Big Ben if he can stay healthy. I'll let you talk about his beard and everything else. But essentially, I'm thinking if I miss out on, let's say, the top – he's not a top 10 quarterback in my rankings, but if I miss out on the top 10 maybe ranked quarterbacks I feel excited about, I am going to look at Big Ben, I think – along with Matt Stafford, before Daniel Jones, before Gardner Minshew, um, you know, it's Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill. I'm going to probably look at Big Ben first if I'm waiting that long anyway because I just know that the ceiling is literally top three to five, whereas the rest of those guys, I think the ceiling's maybe top ten. So my alternate here, or maybe even my second quarterback no matter what, I think Big Ben is huge. And again, drafting him that late, if he shits the bed, he gets hurt. It doesn't work out. You cut him and you stream and you know, you're kind of, you're kind of just fine, but I would rather have big Ben on my bench than get beat by him uh, by my opponent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've said it before. You're you're not drafting him like, Oh, I hope he comes back. Like if you are taking him in fantasy this year, he's playing the season. He's the starting quarterback and you can literally go pull any stats from his receivers playing with him, his running backs playing with him, his fantasy finish for him, his passing yards, the team offense for him, it's top three in the league, top five in the league, top six in the league every single year. So to me, it's too easy. It's it's so much of a no-brainer just to take him because like he's going so well behind his finish. And he, he came out and said in an interview, like, I'm not shaving the beard until I'm ready to throw a football. And look, he shaved the beard. He's been throwing. He looks good. So I think – I think this one is going to come back and bite people if they miss on him because they're going to worry about the injury too much. Um, but in a one quarterback league, he's a, he's every part of what we wanted Matt Stafford to be last year or what Matt Stafford was until he got hurt. Just the, I don't know, ninth round guy, 10th round guy that puts up 22 a week. 
and that's good enough to not have to worry about playing another quarterback. So, yeah, I think um, I don't really know who else to put here because he could be, I guess, my number one, too. Um, I don't really have a preference, but I think he's one guy that you need to be targeting at QB 14 in round 10. But I could easily see that in some leagues going down to QB 20 because people just don't want to think he's injured still. Um, so, yeah, definitely smash that. Honestly, a most single quarterback redrafts that I – mock drafts that I've been doing that are like, let's say – 16 rounds for the most part he's not even getting drafted no period right so again why not i mean if if i punt if i punt uh quarterback all the way to the end of my draft and i end up with uh i don't know i'll just let's say um let's say i go with big ben and uh even a Derek carr a drew lock you know tyrod taylor for the first four games you know joe burrow something like that I mean, I feel like I can rotate those two guys out and all those quarterbacks are free in drafts right now, right? So mm-hmm. if it doesn't work out at the top of your draft, I think that's just fine. And again, if it doesn't work out, you cut them and you end up having uh, plenty of other options there on the waiver wire. All right, man, uh, Gardner Minshew and Dak Prescott as our early gamers this year. And then we both have the alternate of Big Ben. Let's go down to the running backs, man. I'll let you kick it off again. Who is your early running back gamer? Yep. Yeah, so mine is Austin Eckler. and. Uh, I don't think anyone was down on him, but it's seeming as of late that he, I guess, is not a workhorse anymore. I guess he's not going to be the – apparently Justin Jackson's seventh-round pick and fourth-round pick. Um, I don't even – I can't even remember who they freaking took. Uh, Joshua Kelly? Yeah, Josh Kelly are taken away from, like, the most efficient running back last year. Um, so, really what it comes down to – okay, so say he goes into whatever. Say, say just – of the 120 like vacated rushing attempts roughly around there. Okay. I, I don't think a fourth round rookie is going to take 120 rushing attempts right away. So like check, I've mentioned before that he played primarily in the slot when Melvin Gordon came back, that favors Tyrod Taylor, that favors a new quarterback on a new system that favors Justin Herbert. We see slot receivers or flanker receivers, whatever you want to call it quarterback proof because they don't run routes that you need chemistry with because it's just the quick hitters, um, Keenan Allen this year, he's being super undervalued because people think that the quarterback plays going to affect the six foot three slot receiver. Like, no, like, that's why Allen Robinson is so good because he plays in the slot. Doesn't matter who his quarterback is. So, really, this just comes down to obviously he's not going to put up probably what he did the first four games. Like, he's not going to be the RB2. He could, but he's probably not going to be the RBQ, RB2. I'm not banking on that. But he's going at the RB, I don't even know, 12, I think I put on the. Yeah, RB12. No, RB12. Yeah, I clicked off the screen. Like, I don't – he's my RB1. Like, I'm pumped, and you're getting him as, like, an RB1 slash 2, basically. So, you could easily get him as your RB2, and you're getting a guy that's scoring 15-plus points a game. So, I think he's one guy that second round, even round one, because obviously if you have him round one, you basically have two first-round picks because you're picking around the turn roughly. So, I think he's definitely a smash for sure. And he's – I don't know. I guess my thing is I'm just fading the whole, like, he's quarterback proof. He's not a full-time workhorse, all that crap, because – and Philip Rivers was not good last year either. So I think people aren't looking into that. They're looking into that too much. My biggest concern is that, you know, most of his production came through the pass game, which I know is great for fantasy football, but it's just a matter of actually sustaining almost a thousand yards receiving. We see Christian McCaffrey do it. We saw, you know, uh, Saquon uh, do it. Alvin Kamara is doing it too. And maybe just Austin Eckler just is that kind of guy. And if he does anything close to what he did last year, then we just know that he's legit. And that's awesome. Uh, I am, I'm a little bit hesitant, and I will say that I don't want Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, um, CEH definitely. I'm trying to think of some other guys up in that higher level. 
uh, maybe Kenyon Drake. I don't want them as my RB1, but I would be thrilled to have them as my RB2. And if, so if I'm in like the 10th pick, you know, and I go maybe one of those guys and I double up, you know, or if I go for me uh, personally, it would be like a, you know, a mix in uh, a chub maybe um, or something like that. And then I turn around and I hit that uh, RB2 on the back end and I start my draft with somebody like that. I think that's, that's huge upside. So I'm with you there. I think Austin Eckler's great. I just, I'm a little hesitant to have him as my one. Definitely. Um, I won't be drafting him in the first round, but if I fall to him or if he falls to me, I should say in the back of the second round or the middle of the second round, I'm already good at running back and I can double up. I think that would be great there. Okay. I'm going to go with my man, Alvin Kamara. Uh, I've talked about Kamara constantly on this podcast. I don't think I need any sort of uh, convincing about this. Um, this is my front end running back. I've got, you know, you and I both have a guy that's like kind of more in the middle to late tiers that we'll talk about here in a second as an alternate in the first, in, uh, let's see, two weeks ago, we went through each round of a mock draft at current ADP, and we talked about our favorite picks for each round. And I, pick, I picked Alvin Kamara of all the first rounders outside of Saquon and CMC, of course. Alvin Kamara is my, my favorite uh, first rounder of all positions. Um, I, I just think that regression is going to be in his favor this year. He is playing at about 75% last year. He is one of the, if not the most elusive running back in the league, fantastic wide, basically a wide receiver uh, playing at the running back position. He had 13 touchdowns as a rookie, 18 the year after that last year, uh, that was basically cut in half to just six. I think that he's going to have minimum 10, probably 12, maybe even 15. in this offense, Latavius Murray is the man and he is one of my top handcuffs, for sure. But if Alvin Kamara is out there and he's healthy, Latavius Murray is going to be a change of pace back, not the goal line back, surprisingly. He, uh, Alvin Kamara has led the league the last couple of years in running back targets uh, within the red zone um, and the end zone. I just think in this offense with what he delivers um, as a multi-use running back, I just think is a, is a no-brainer. So Alvin Kamara is – on the next episode, we're going to talk about um, some of our early kind of hot takes – and I'm going to get into this a little bit deeper then, but I will just kind of spoil alert a little bit that of all of the guys who could potentially be the number one running back overall outside of CMC and Saquon, I think it's Alvin Kamara. I really do think he has that ability with the touchdown upside and the usage in this offense. So for me, if I have the, the third pick or he falls to me at the seventh pick or something, I would be thrilled. But for me, Alvin Kamara is my gamer as of right now uh, for the running back position. All right, man, let's jump down to the alternates. I'll let you go first on this one as well. Yeah, mine is Zach Moss, and I think this one is going to be a league winner type uh, player. I mean, he's going as the RB48, probably right around there in most formats. So he's going as an RB4, 5 range. And it really comes down to one thing that a few, um, well, I guess in the draft, there will be the teammate battle. So I had Devin Singletary versus Frank Gore last year. So in the red zone alone, Frank Gore, uh, he started one less game than Devin Singletary. He played a lot less games. Not, not played a lot less games, but he played a lot less snaps than Singletary did at the end of the year. And he had seven more attempts inside the 20 and nine more attempts inside the five for not playing as the full-time role. That'll be Zach Moss's role right out of the gate because they came out and said he's going to play Frank Gore's role. And if you go down and break out in that, uh, that write-up, you'll see a chart that I made, the, the per-game numbers for the whole year. Singletary only averaged uh, 1.0 – or sorry, 1.15 uh, 
uh, more rushing attempts per game. That turned into more yards, obviously, but I hope so. I hope you're out rushing on a yards per carry basis. The 37-year-old Frank Gore, obviously, Singletary won the targets, all that stuff. Um, but really, to me, the, the red zone carries is where it comes down to. I think that Zach Moss will slowly eat into the receiving work. But even if you give him 15 touches a game, I think that's plenty of enough to be an RB4 with the red zone work. Um, that a guy that the way I look at it is like the Bills, I'm not saying they're a bad team, but they're not a good enough team to manage a committee, if that makes sense. Like whoever the hot hand is will stay in there. If Zach Moss is running wild, like they're going to keep him in there. They, they just don't care enough to have a committee. Like they use Frank Gore exclusively the first couple of weeks and then Singletary started playing good. They went strictly to Singletary. Not that Frank Gore played bad, just because Singletary is playing so good. So I think there's a lot of room for upside. And RB48, what's that, like eight points per game, probably when it comes down to it. So I think he can definitely return that. Another boost to Zach Moss is one of the one of the um, I don't know one of the, my favorite pieces that I've that I've read so far uh, over the summer is an article by my girl Michelle over at Ball Blast Fantasy Football. Check out the ladies over there; they do really great work. Um, she basically broke down the she broke down the the coaching tendencies for um, Brian Dable and Kelly Skipper, who are the offensive coordinator and running backs coach for the Bills. And essentially just a small snip uh, from her is Brian Dable and Kelly Skipper, the running backs coach for the Buffalo Bills and the offensive coordinator, both have extensive history favoring bigger backs over smaller backs, even if those bigger backs have a name. So that is essentially favoring Zach Moss over Singletary. Um, Brian Dable's offenses have been top 10 in rushing attempts six out of the last seven years that he was the offensive coordinator in the NFL. Now he spent a couple of years at Alabama as well. So those don't count obviously being in the NFL, but I think Zach Moss is going to get plenty of work. He's two inches taller, 20 pounds heavier. He's going to get those red zone looks um, that Frank Gore couldn't capitalize on. Another thing interesting that I is kind of me kind of pulling me off of Josh Allen a little bit, which is a different conversation, but essentially she also broke down basically four touchdowns that Josh Allen ended up scoring that he shouldn't have because Frank Gore couldn't get it done. So that's another ode to Zach Moss here. Here's just a couple examples. So uh, these are four touchdowns that Josh Allen should have scored, or I'm sorry, four touchdowns that Josh Allen did score rushing after Frank Gore failed. So Gore had two chances failed. Josh Allen scored on fourth down. Frank Gore had three chances failed. Allen scored on fourth down again. Gore had... Uh, he was stopped on first and one, so on the one-yard line. Allen scored on second down, and then Gore had two chances failed. Allen scored on third down. So those are three opportunities that if you take those away from Allen, that drops him down significantly and boosts Frank Gore. I just think that a younger version, 15 years younger, Zach Moss uh, yeah. gets it done here than Frank Gore. So I, th- I think that's a great call, man. You and I went pretty in-depth with um, the Bills on a previous podcast. And I actually just wrote up a big write up myself on the bills that you can catch in the draft guide. Um, but we will be uh, breaking it down. And obviously Lucas just previewed uh, his player preview and comparison there. So I think Zach Moss is a great get, whether you have single Terry or not, uh, he's an excellent zero RB target as well. If you end up that way in your drafts, my alternate running back is going to be David Montgomery going as the 25th running back in about the fourth round. Fourth round, I think is a perfect, spot for him you don't need him as your rb1 he's not going to be rb1 but he could be you know again a zero rb rb1 or he could be an rb2 with two other good uh, wide receivers there i think he's going to get a boost in the past game this year i think uh, you know in his second season he's gonna be just fine he actually had a really nice 
rookie season kind of quietly, uh, but he was kind of just overshadowed because of the Mitch Trubisky experiment and how shitty the Bears actually were. But he had uh, over 1,000 total yards, 250 touches, seven touchdowns, um, and I think he could he could definitely do all of that again uh, this year and then some. So I, I expect him to be closer to – 1200 1400 total yards and you know eight to ten touchdowns um and if you're getting that you know with you know what 30 35 receptions um i think that david montgomery could be a real nice pick there so my alternate uh gamer is going to be david montgomery of the chicago bears all right, man, let's take just a quick second to, again, shout out the draft guide before we get into the wide receivers and the tight ends. We are dropping the draft guide next Monday, July 6th. Make sure you go and pre-order that. If you haven't already, you can go to tckpod.com, and you can sign up on the website itself, or you can click the link in the bio in the description right now. It literally takes 30 seconds to a minute. All we need is your email address, your name, please, a couple uh, bullet points to click, and then let us know which package you would like, and we'll get those out to you in just two weeks. Man, we're very, very excited about that. So thank you again to everybody uh, supporting us and uh, all the contributors that have put in a bunch of work behind the scenes. All right, brother, why don't we jump into our wide receivers here? Who is your wide receiver gamer as of now? Yeah, my first one, people probably know, uh, Julian Edelman. I don't need to break down all the stats again. Um, I mean, wide receiver 37, what's that? Maybe six points a game, seven points, no, probably like nine. He's going to catch eight balls a game, so like chalk that up. Um, it's it's a no-brainer here. Um, I In the hot takes episode and in the draft guide, probably not on launch, but closer to middle of July, there'll be a big article titled What is Upside? I know I've, I've harped on it before, but it'll be a very in-depth as to why people overthink fantasy points and how to win fantasy games. Um, so be on the lookout for that. But I mean, it's just him. I, if you listen to our wide receiver rankings video, I believe that's when I went on my rant as to why Tom Brady did not play good because of league average or below league average and every single quarterback stat is good. Then Joe Flacco is legit a Hall of Famer. And I think Trevor Simeon might be in that category as well, too. So just take Edelman. He's a, well, your wide receiver three. And he was the right wide receiver six last year with average quarterback play. So just put two and two together there. Take a guy that gets you 10 plus points in your flex and go win your league. I love it, man. Nice case. Nice case for my old man, old man Edelman. I like that. All right, man, I'm going to go with DK. Um, In the fifth round, uh, DK Metcalf, I think personally could just be, first of all, I just think he's going to be the number one in Seattle. And I I think he's just going to be a top 10 wide receiver this season. Um, Last year, 58 receptions, 900 yards. He had a hundred targets, 58 catches, 58% reception uh, percentage is fucking terrible he's going to be much much better than that he was a quote-unquote raw receiver last year but he had a knee scope two weeks before the combine he came out busted the combine immediately kind of like set the world on fire had these julio jones calvin johnson specs whatever came out he was on fire but pretty rough and he and russell wilson in year one had a tough time connecting i think that he gets another 100 targets at least this year let's boost that up to 70 percent that's 70 receptions. That 900 yards is going to go to 1,200, I think, pretty easily. And he could have double-digit touchdowns as well. My favorite thing about this is DK Metcalf, big body, 6'3". He led the NFL as a rookie. He led the NFL with end zone targets with 13. He was ahead of Mike Evans, Kenny Galladay, Auden Tate was surprisingly up there at number four, DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, Mike Williams, and uh, Keenan Allen for the, the next uh, top eight wide receivers there. So I just love the upside here from DK. I think he's going to be 
much more of a, um, you know, a first down pick, uh, pickup. Uh, he could take a slant to the house with the speed. He's going to go up and get it. Russell Wilson's going to trust him. I think the Seahawks aired out quite a bit more this year. I know that you're stoked on Lockett, and we'll hear about that in just a little bit. Um, and I don't dislike Lockett as much as I used to here on the podcast. I'm definitely putting respect on the man finally. Uh, however, I just think DK is a specimen, and I, I, I would rather take the chance on the huge upside of DK than counting on the consistent efficiency of Tyler Lockett personally. So I'm going to go with uh, DK Metcalf here as my wide receiver gamer. Why don't you jump in here and defend yourself on your alternate? Yeah, and it's not – so it's Tyler Lockett. It's not that I hate DK. I think it's just being blown out of proportion – what this wide receiver group really is. I think there's a lot of the way people evaluate wide receivers is like, there has to be an alpha. There has to be one guy. There has to be the target hog, blah, blah, blah. But like when it really comes down to it, like I'm sorry to say this, but a five, eight utility receiver and a, I don't know how huge man alpha DK Metcalf are, they're not competing for roles. Like they're not competing for like, they are, a receiver and a receiver for Russell Wilson. I'm not even going to say 1A, 1B because they don't need, like, they don't, it's not Godwin and Evans per se. It kind of is, but, like, not really. They, they play two completely different roles in itself. So I think really it just comes down to, like, Lockett, he's going below DK in most leagues. And I think it's just because people don't like the, I don't know. Like, it, it's the whole upside thing. Like, I, like, he was, like, the RB16, I think, last year. Like, RB12 the year before that. I probably should have pulled these up. But, like, Everyone, I faded him last year because, like, the TD percentage is not reliable. There's no way he can do it again. But then I failed to look at Russell Wilson's career and how he sits right around six and a half to six to six and a half percent TD rate every year, which that should drop, but it's obviously not dropping. Which Russell is phenomenal, Wilson. by the way. <laughs> and he, he has to throw that to someone and it's Lockett every single year. You see the connection in games. They're like, how did Lockett just get open? He's five foot eight, make that catch. And it is every single year, this is what happens. And I think. I think he's going to keep falling. Cause I think, I think once draft season rolls around, people are going to think that DK is taking over, which he could. But DK ran like three routes in his route tree last year. Yes, he can develop those more this year. But I don't think this is a year that DK turns into, I would probably say Michael Thomas. I think that's, like a, that's a close comp to me and how they kind of play football. But I think for now, they're just two Seattle wide receivers that are both good fantasy values. Maybe next year we start to lower Lockett, but I think Lockett's still the primary target. Uh, for Russell Wilson, I and I don't even care if they don't throw. They could throw the ball five times a game, and they'll probably score four touchdowns, four passing touchdowns. Um, so I'm just going to choose to not fade him for the pass run split, and not fade him because I think there has to be one receiver for Russell Wilson. Cool. And you know, right now with the ECR, uh, DK is 25th receiver. Tyler Lockett's 22, so they're actually pretty close to each other. But I think you're right. In home leagues, the allure of DK Metcalf. Um, his workouts, the whole situation. I mean, he's just a fucking monster, dude, and he's fun to root for. Uh, I think is going to, in home in home leagues, is going to boost DK's ADP uh, and then fade, uh, consequently, Tyler Lockett. So um, I think DK Metcalf ha- runs four routes this year and therefore fucking smashes. So I'm going to take DK Metcalf. But I could see, Lucas, you know, we, we, we know you already as the early running back guy for your mock drafts. I think you're going to end up with about four running backs in every draft, and then you're going to go Lockett and Edelman as your receivers and just fucking hey, crush it, it. it. It works every year. And everyone, like, everyone be like, that's <laughs> so bad, no upside. And then I'm sitting there with 120 points a week. 
because they get me my 10 and I just move on with the week. There you go. The man, the man won the TCK pod listener league last year, folks. So uh, he knows, he knows a couple of things here. All right, man. Uh, I'm going to jump into mine. It's Juju. And again, just to pair this up with big Ben, um, I know you and I are high on Juju. People are starting to come around on Juju too. I think that, you know, coming off of last year, he was injured. Big Ben was injured. The Steelers were a shit show. We all know what happened there. Um, but it's like everybody can still kind of taste 2018 <laughs> with Antonio Brown and Juju and, and, and them just lighting up the league and Juju leading the, leading the NFL in uh, yak yards after catch in 2018. The ability for him to, uh, you know, he has two 97-yard touchdowns. I mean, he's a big play. He's going to run the slant again – or, excuse me, the slot again, um, running slants and over the middle, I think, which is going to be very – very helpful in mismatches there because you're going to have nickel corners that come out only on special packages trying to cover Juju Schuster, which isn't going to happen. Um, and they also, as incredible as Antonio Brown is, was, um, he and Juju were the best wide receiver core that particular season. But I would argue that kind of overall as a wide receiver core with the four, with the four guys that they have right now um, and Eric Ebron as well, uh, and then running backs out like the, the entire offense, I think is the best maybe uh, that they've had since the five games that, that uh, the uh, big Ben Lev and AB actually played together a few years ago. So I think the Steelers are really going to surprise this year if big Ben can stay healthy. And with that comes Juju Schuster, who, you know, if he had anything close to 2018 and 2019, he's probably a top five receiver right now. Um, but he didn't, it was a shit show and it wasn't necessarily his fault. So I think he's fallen right now. He's at the wide receiver 10, but again, I think people are worried about him in the third round. If I got Juju as my wide receiver three, dude, I would be through the roof. But if I went two early running backs, I'd be more than happy to have Juju as my wide receiver one as well. So in my opinion, he's a win-win. If I get him as my wide receiver one in the third round, I'm stoked with two running backs. If I get him as my wide receiver three, uh, I think that's just just insane. Um, if I were to somehow scoop, let's say, Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, and Juju Smith-Schuster at zero RB, uh, you could you could do worse there. Um, so I like Juju a lot as my alternate uh, wide receiver there. So DK Metcalf and uh, Juju for myself and Julian Edelman and Lockett for Lucas. All right, brother, let's get into the tight ends and we'll get out of here, man. Who is your early gamer at the tight end position? Yeah, he's very early, and that's Travis Kelsey at the tight end one. Um, I went with this strategy of the positional advantage, and I, I love Kittle, but I think, like I mentioned on the tight end rankings, Kelsey's still just ahead of him. They, they're, I just think Kelsey's still that tier one. Kittle now with Debo out because obviously that was before Debo. That could, that could raise him up. Um, I just don't know how well that. Like, I just don't think it's like, oh, Debo's out. Okay, Kittle now because now like teams are going to be guarding Kittle more. Um, but that's not like saying fade Kittle by any means. But I just think Kelsey's still the top guy. Uh, depending on your league, end of round one, middle round two, early round three, I don't really know where he goes, but I still think it's such a good, safe pick at a position that, like even Kittle, you'd have to worry about some games because he's just not a target hog in an offense that you know is going to be passing the ball 40 times a game. But Kelsey just – you just know like he's the wide receiver one on this team. He's the main red zone threat. You don't have to really worry about injury or inconsistency like Tyreek. You just you just know what you're getting with him. So I think he's a guy that I'll stick with my tight end. Not I mean he's early, but I would say I stick with my securing my tight end strategy again this year because it worked out for me last year. 
I think it's a great call, man. And obviously, if you're going to go with that, Kelsey's the man. Um, I think Kittle is very, very close to number one, if not number one. Uh, we've had this discussion a couple times on the podcast. In Dynasty, we're both going to go with Kittle. Um, just for the long term, although we had that you know fantasy regime league, which we'll break, keep breaking down throughout the summer, uh, where we actually went Kelsey um, in Dynasty. But uh, I do think that Kittle – is going to get more attention this year now that people know that he's for real. But with Debo out, at least for the first couple of weeks, I think that's going to be huge for Kittle. Um, now, that being said, I think Brandon Ayuk really takes off this year as well. If you go Kittle uh, this year and you go early like that with that second round capital, maybe third round capital, and Kittle is just fucking absolutely on fire through the first four weeks, which could happen, and then we get Debo coming back, I would probably recommend as of right now <laughs> that you sell Kittle if you can for an RB one, you could probably get a, a you know, a top mm-hmm. 10 running back or, or top five receiver for Kittle at that point because of positional advantage. But I do think once Debo comes back, it'll level out a little bit. And um, what Kelsey has that Kittle doesn't is the uh, just peppering of targets, which I think is, is going to help Kittle makes a lot more happen after the catch. Um, but just getting that sure work constantly, I think, is is in Kelsey's favor. So, love me some Kittle, but uh, I think you're spot on there with Kelsey. I'm going to go with um, Mark Andrews here. Uh, and Mark Andrews, I think, is a little polarizing this year because I think he's that guy this year who you're either all in, which I think I am, you're either all in that he can do it again. Last year was just the first of many, many great seasons coming up for, for Mark Andrews. Or you're sitting there thinking that he's Darren Waller, which I think is going to happen with Darren Waller, where, uh, yeah, it happened, but it's not going to happen again. It was kind of a fluke season, or it was just an opportunity situation, and it's not going to happen again this year. Well, I disagree. Um, Last year, Mark Andrews had a 41% snap per game, right? So he was in 41% of snaps per game. That was with Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle. Hayden Hurst obviously now is – in Atlanta, so that opens up 41% snap share as well. 30 receptions, 350 yards, and two touchdowns that Hayden Hurst has is up for grabs at this point. They did bring in two slot receivers, Devin DuVernay and James Prochet, which I think are going to be great. Willie Sneed is still around. Miles Boykin is still around. Hollywood Brown is still around. They bring in J.K. Dobbins. They have a ton of weapons. But in my opinion, I think Lamar Jackson right now is most comfortable, like Wentz with Ertz, most comfortable throwing to um, – uh, Mark Andrews, who led tight ends last year in, in uh, touchdowns, and I think he's going to have a huge opportunity. The biggest thing, too, is is with Lamar Jackson and just where he likes to throw the ball. The Ravens' trio of tight ends combined last year for 155 receptions, 1,500 yards, and 14 touchdowns. So that's all three guys, but most of that was Mark Andrews. Now, to your point of – and all those numbers basically ended up being 58% of Lamar Jackson's completion uh, 48% of his passing yards and 38% of his passing touchdowns. So a huge chunk, a third or a half of uh, Lamar Jackson's production through the air came from the tight end position. Now, obviously, Hurst is gone. So we get uh, – and Nick Boyle's basically a blocking tight end. He was on 70% of snaps, but he only had 30 receptions. So Mark Andrews is the man there. Um, now, to your point, with Kelsey and Kittle, both of those guys last year had 86% snap percentage on their respective teams, which is huge. That's obviously double what Mark Andrews had last year. So if you, if you were to give Mark Andrews 
that many snaps, I think he has at least uh, the production that um, Kelsey and Kittle did. So when you look at it as far as an opportunity versus like definite regression, definite regression, which I agree that the Ravens in general will have regression at some point. But if you look at it in that Mark Andrews did a lot with a little last year, which does scream regression usually. But it's not like a bunch of people got hurt and he jumped into an opportunity like Zach Ertz maybe, where all of his fucking receivers two years in a row have just disappeared, so he's been a complete hog. Like, everybody was around last year for the Ravens. I just think that there's going to be more opportunity for Mark Andrews there. So I'm going to stick with it, man. He is my number three right now. He's ahead of Ertz, um, definitely ahead of Waller. Uh, and if I miss out on those first two guys – He's kind of my Dak Prescott where I'm not sure I would reach for him in the third or fourth round, but if he fell to the fifth um, and I was good at wide receiver and running back, um, I think I would take the upside on Mark Andrews and then grab a late round tight end in case he doesn't work out. But um, I see Mark Andrews being the guy potentially who could be number one overall this year if it's not Kelsey or Kittle. Yeah, I think – I know I mentioned on the tight end. You do, I would say go back and listen to it, the tight end rankings – video the only I think I argue with the ADP not the tight end ranking um and if you want to I won't go into depth on numbers so let's go back to the tight end rankings um probably towards the beginning I would imagine um my kind of case for the the snap share is not going to outweigh the touchdown regression because the snap share is not as great as I think people think it's really going to be um so I would just suggest going back and listening to the tight end rankings uh episode probably towards the beginning I would imagine Yep. But even again, he had 41% last year. Mm -hmm. Kelsey and Kittle had 86, right? That's fucking ridiculous. Top among the position. Let's give, let's give Andrews 60%, right? So 19% more. That's a huge upgrade, man. That's almost 50% more snap share, Mm -hmm. which I just think is going to be great opportunity. And again, the other tight end he's uh, battling with is Nick Boyle, who is just frankly not a receiving tight end for the most part. So I do think the opportunity is there and uh, Lamar Jackson trusts him. So I like that there. Okay, man, let's jump into our alternates and we'll get out of here for the tight end position. Who is your alternate for the tight ends? Yeah, it's Jack Doyle. Uh, yet again, go listen to the tight ends rankings uh, episode. If you don't want to, I will break it down for you here. So basically, the new quarterback is Philip Rivers. And Philip Rivers' career average tight end finish and PPR was tight end seven. The average, um, Frank Reich, sorry, the coach, his average tight end room in his career, 157 targets a season. And Jack Doyle had 13 targets inside the 20 last year, and Ebron had 10. Ebron is now gone. It's just an easy, like, it's an easy pick. Um, this is another one where everyone's like, there's no upside. Blah, blah, blah. That, that's the case for, I don't know why you would take, I don't even know. Like, who's going down there? O.J. Howard, like, Jay Sternberger down in tight end 18, 15 to 18 range. So, buy into the the coaching history, the quarterback history. And not to mention this competition is a rookie, Michael Pittman. Paris Campbell, 51% chance for injury. And T.Y., 46.2% chance for injury. And a trio of running backs that only boost the receiving weapons because the team has to worry about how to defend three really good running backs. So I think he's going to be a guy where it's not going to be pretty to put him in your lineup. You're not going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm playing Jack Doyle. But then he's going to score you 10 points a week with the chance to, to what we saw Ebron score, what he had, 13 touchdowns the one year, 15, whatever it was. Thir- yeah, 13. Definitely definitely in his wheelhouse this year for I think this team's going to be a lot better than people think they are. I That's a great call, man. And, uh, you know, again – um, if you're waiting on late round tight ends, I think, I think you could absolutely 
absolutely do worse than Jack Doyle. And uh, I know that you've been repping him for quite a while, and that's going to be that's going to be your guy that you're stomping on there for the late round tight end, which I like. I'm going to do the same thing with the late round tight end here and go with Jonu Smith. Um, and actually, I've I've moved both of these guys into my top twelve here for tight ends. Um, most people are drafting them, you know, outside their top fifteen tight ends. I've got him inside the top twelve, and I feel pretty good about it. Jonu's inside my top ten right now. I've got him at number nine. This just comes down to the athletic ability at the tight end position, man. I mean, the days of Jason Witten type tight ends are just going away. These guys are essentially either hybrid blockers or they're hybrid wide receivers, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you've mentioned a couple of times, George Kittle in college was not sexy. He was an H back. He was a, he was a, a, a flanker, like a, a, he was like, you know, use check basically. Um, but he was able to get it done. He got an opportunity as an actual tight end now, and he's a fucking monster. Uh, John Smith is the same thing, man. Um, I don't put too much weight into it, but certain guys in the NFL say things, and you pay attention. Bill Belichick obviously does not uh, throw shit around, <laughs> and he was mentioning that he thought John Smith was straight up like one of the best tight ends in the NFL. That's a big deal. That's based on skill and ability more so than statistics, clearly. Right. And uh, obviously uh, uncle Bill knows a thing or two about tight ends. Another big part of that is, you know, the argument immediately is just like, okay, there's not enough passing to go around. There's not enough this and that, like there's a hard enough case to make for AJ Brown, whatever. Corey Davis is kind of around still. Derrick Henry runs the ball fucking, you know, 40 times a game, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I get it. However, since uh, from 2013 through 2017, Delaney Walker, who at one point was a fucking phenomenal tight end for the, uh, for the Titans, had 100 targets in every season but one of those. Um, if John Smith can double his targets and get anywhere close to 80, 90 to 100, I think he could easily put up, you know, 800 yards and six to eight touchdowns. We say it all the time. That right there is going to be a top six tight end. And you're getting him in the, you know, 12th, 15th round. The upside's there. And again, if I go late round tight end, I just toss him out and I get a new one (laughs) because that's how it goes. But if I don't get an early tight end and I end up with Jack Doyle and Jonu Smith as my 13th and 14th round picks – there's there's a no lose uh, situation there, and I think both of those guys could have huge upside. And as we know, it doesn't take much to be a top six tight end and have weak winning uh, opportunity. And I think Jonathan Smith is a rare tight end who could score a sixty yard touchdown, but he's also a big red zone opportunity. And I think he could gobble up targets now that Delaney Walker is officially gone, uh, who he was kind of behind the last two years. So Jonathan Smith is my guy there for the tight end position alternate. All right, man. Uh, you had Kelsey and Doyle. I had Andrews and Johnny Smith as our tight end early gamers. We're going to revisit this in August and see if these guys hold up or if we have new names. Um, but that feels good to me, man. I feel good about all these guys. You and I agree on almost everybody. There's a couple names in here. Maybe we would put off each other's list, but otherwise we feel pretty good about it. So if you're drafting now for some reason, which you should not be, but if you are, take these guys into consideration. Quarterbacks, Deck Prescott, Gardner Minshew, Big Ben Roethlisberger, running backs, Alvin Kamara, David Montgomery, Austin Eckler, Zach Moss, wide receivers, DK Metcalf, Juju Schuster, Julian Edelman, Tyler Lockett, tight ends, Mark Andrews, Jonah Smith, Travis Kelsey, and Jack Doyle. All right, on the next episode, we are going to get into five hot takes each 
10 hot takes. We're not really a hot take podcast or brand, but this is something kind of fun that we want to look ahead of time here to make some uh, bold predictions, if you will. But I think hot takes are a little bit more than bold predictions. We'll explain on the next episode, but we hope uh, you have ordered your draft guide. If you haven't yet, go to tckpod.com and pre-order your draft guide or hit the link in the uh, description below and make sure you give us your email address and let us know which package you would like and we will get those out to you on July 6th. Very, very excited about that and we will be following up very shortly again once that drops with information on the TCK Pod listener league. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK Pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Leave a rate and review on the podcast, please. Share wherever you're listening to your podcast and make sure to subscribe right here to the YouTube channel and leave a comment on who your gamers are at each position. For Lucas Kaser, I'm Scott Guasco. This is another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.